0: In today's episode, I'm joined by Luce Grover. Luce is the Head of Diversity and Inclusion at a recruitment firm which specialise in diversity and inclusion, which is an area that I definitely need to learn more about. So I'm really excited for today's conversation. All the way over from premise, thank you very much for joining us, Luce.
1: Hey Leah, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, thanks for coming on um, for the second time. Appreciate, appreciate the redo. <laughs> First um, time
1: was it was a draft.
0: Yeah, that's right. Better better the second time around. So um, yeah, no, obviously this is an incredibly important area. It's a term that, if I'm being honest, nine months ago I hadn't even really heard of, considering I've never worked in the court corporate world. Yep. Um, and you definitely don't realise as a, a male, especially not in the corporate world, being self-employed, that there definitely is some privilege there and, and some additional barriers. So yeah, I'm excited to, to kind of get into that from an employer standpoint and an employee standpoint. But I mean, first, let's kind of go <clears throat> back to the beginning. Um, tell me a little bit about yourself, Lewis, how you kind of got into recruitment and, and feel free to touch on the, the endometriosis side of things as well briefly, if that's okay.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, so I'm Head of Diversity and Inclusion for Primus Talent. We are a tech. Recruitment startup that launched in September 2021. Um, I actually know our director. I've known him for quite a few years. I landed myself in 360 Recruitment for maybe the same reason as most people. It's one of those jobs that you can really just walk into. I did enjoy it. Don't get me wrong. When we met, when I met Ben, our director, four or five years ago, I really enjoyed it. Um, However, I definitely felt like I needed a role with more purpose. Um, I think the talent and recruitment space suits me well, but I really needed a role with more purpose. And when Ben launched his new company tech recruitment firm, but specialises in diversity and inclusion. It's very much our USP and what differentiates us in the market from other tech recruitment agencies. He landed me with head of diversity and inclusion, take it over, learn about it. I'll put you through training, work your magic and build this part of my business. And essentially, that's how I'm here today. Um, And I definitely think, you know, being a female, you know, I obviously acknowledge I'm white, able-bodied, cisgendered. Gives me a lot of privilege, but I've definitely experienced being a female in the workplace, treated a little bit differently, spoken to very differently. You know, there's definitely a lot of sexual harassment that goes on in the workplace. That is, I think, is a taboo and not really spoken about. Um, And I suffer from endometriosis, um, which obviously we're going to be speaking about today. So I think that I've definitely experienced a few things in life that maybe. Has given diversity and inclusion a more important standpoint in my life than if I hadn't gone through them. So essentially, that's why I'm here today, and why I suppose we have met uh, through the magic of social media. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Good old LinkedIn. I didn't even yeah. use that a li- year ago, so it's so a platform. But to be fair, I wasn't using
1: it that much two years ago either. So
0: yeah, awesome. So yeah, little new world for us all there. um But I mean, in, in terms of right, what is this diversity and inclusion thing? Like, obviously, it's kind of self-explanatory in a way. um But tell me a little bit about what that actually looks like in a in a business.
1: to be honest that's actually a a very big question diversity and inclusion in businesses look different to every single business every single business has a different idea of what you know diversity and inclusion means to them however from my standpoint it's effectively supporting clients to ensure that they have a workspace and a workforce that's diverse and inclusive so you have people from different backgrounds you support underrepresented talent you essentially create an environment where people can be their authentic selves because i mean one you have a more productive workforce you're more likely to see higher output obviously there's benefits to that in terms of you know knock-ons of profit and staff attrition which obviously have massive benefits to a business but But the morally right thing to do is obviously to treat people equally, have that equality in the workplace, not discriminate against people. And that's where Premise comes in. That's where our educational standpoint comes in as we support people and support clients to understand why it's so fundamental to them for a morally correct thing and also from a business success point of view.
0: Yeah, amazing. I mean, obviously, it's one of those things which, yeah, sounds obvious when you put it it like that. I was just very ignorant for it ignorant to it, kind of getting into this space more from the female health side of things. And then there being a big lag time between me going, okay, cool. There's a lot of diagnoses here that as men, we don't ever have to deal with. And I was learning that more through coaching clients and never really added two and two together that that would make it harder to succeed in a, in a career role. And you might get obviously, um, yeah, you, you know, might have prejudice against you. That was obvious as that sounds. I just never really thought about it that way. So obviously this is a, an incredibly important area. I don't really feel like there's that many almost like mainstream conversations happening about it. Like, what what do you feel like? Is is this something that's being spoke about enough or or where are we at in terms of like progression with this space in the corporate world?
1: Um... Really interesting question. I think depending upon the industry, you see companies doing a lot more versus other industries. I think there are some industries where there's a lot of talk but very little action, almost also known as performative action. I think that um, industries that are very, very male dominated and you know companies that are blue chip have huge amounts of staff. It's I think it's probably more of a, a strategy for their brand versus like making internal change but I think in some industries there is a lot more diversity and inclusion seen I don't want to make quote like quote stats on different industries because I'm not off the top of my head I'm not 100% sure but you know there are very male dominated industries that you know finance insurance that you know have massive pay gaps in both their salaries and their bonuses which I'm sure when you go inside into these industries on in a day-to-day life there's a huge amount of bias and discrimination that takes place between just you you know gender but also I'm sure you know with other minority groups as well so I really think it's dependent upon industry some industries are making you know fantastic change and some industries aren't um and I suppose it's only time will tell really how long it will take you know for things to start to to start to settle
0: yeah 136 years was a statistic I saw
1: for gender equality yeah last
0: last night I don't know if you've heard heard that one
1: yeah I am I think a few years ago, they thought it was like going to be like 85 years. And unfortunately, this, the years seem to be growing. And I'm sure it's nothing that we're going to see in our lifetime. But I like to think that with agencies like us, because obviously, you know, agencies are responsible for 50% of the workforce going into, you know, UK employers. If you have enough agencies like ourselves that really see the value in taking on underrepresented talent and or bringing females into the tech world and pushing them and supporting them to get into these roles we can start to make a change but unfortunately there aren't many uh, Im- te- uh agencies out there that support that also for the record you obviously have to have your client has to be reciprocating and want to bring in diverse talent you know a recruitment agency can only do so much but we can educate right
0: yeah no exactly so If I know the stats now, (laughs) as of kind of the last year or so, that there is loads of ways of looking at this, which shows that obviously more diversity and inclusion in the business is better all round. Um, So if that's the case, why is there maybe this pushback on improving, improving this? Is it just that change is difficult? Is it, is it bias? Is it, you know, more males feeling threatened by females outperforming them? Like, I know it's probably a bit of a loaded question, but why, why is there this pushback to kind of improve diversity and inclusion in a business?
1: Do you know what I think again really good question I think a lot of it and you know you know to at the moment we're obviously in a really volatile economy you know a lot of businesses don't really know where they stand or what the next quarter looks like because of everything that's going on in the world and I think that a lot of companies see diversity and inclusion as something that potentially right now it's going to cost their business money and so therefore they're putting it to the back you know. The, the back of the list and, and they don't want to consider investing time and money into it because at the moment their first you know their first thought is how do we keep afloat how do we you know continue to make money I think as well potentially if I'm honest actually I think budget is probably the biggest thing businesses don't want to spend money on it um sometimes it's really hard to quantify you know if you invest let's say I'm going to take a random figure of 20,000 pounds into you know consulting or training how do you necessarily quantify that there are obviously ways of quantifying it and we do do that at premise but there are also when you could spend 20,000 pounds on something else and you can get a really different tangible result and I personally believe that you know if you're the person at the top who is you know obviously really successful and is the person making these decisions where do you put your investment?
0: Yeah. So I imagine if, if, obviously, if that's what you're saying, that's probably the biggest sales objection you get when you're trying to do the job oh, that Budget you do. is number
1: one. And I think the biggest thing that really irritates me and like someone I've done training with quite a lot, a lady called Jo, she's fantastic. Um, she, one of the things that she said to me when we first started working together was a company will spend £30,000 on a Christmas party but won't spend £2,000 on, you know, unconscious bias training, which could re- which could revolutionise the way in which they work and they do their recruitment process. And I think that she's, like, really hit the nail on the head. You know, I think that businesses are so quick to be like, oh, gosh, Christmas party, let's have the most lavish place and take the company Amex and just do whatever, which is amazing, right? And, you know, your employees really uh, respect that and, you know, you then set them up to start in Q1 the next year really strong but also how about you just take 10 percent of that budget and allocate it to other resources and increase the diversity and inclusion of your business you may actually by the next year have 10 times the amount of budget because you'll have seen a return on your investment so but
0: is that how you kind of break down that objection is that like kind of how you you try and explain that to to companies or is there anything else that you'd say there so if someone's listening and they're thinking okay like maybe i need to invest into this area a little bit more and they're still maybe a bit on the fence what, what would you say to them
1: Um, I think another one is companies, obviously, you know, a lot of companies have had processes in place for a number of years. Looking at, you know, I've worked in HR for 10 or 15 years, this lady's now coming along and asking me to change the way that I work. I think that I also get quite a lot of objection in that, you know, companies have built from the ground up, they've grown to 100 head, 500 heads, whatever it might be, in a certain way, well, why do I need to change the way that I work if... I've already built 500 heads, I can get to 1,000 heads without changing the way that I work. You know, I think that there's also an element of, you know, frostiness sometimes from, you know, which I understand, you know, it's not like, you know, Gen Z have like one view of diversity and inclusion because they've been brought up. That's the only way of life they know. But if you've got someone who's been in the corporate world for 25, 30, 40 years and someone comes along and says, change the way that you think and work, I think it's really understandable that you may not get the warmest reaction. And I think that, you know people that work in the diversity and inclusion space should also accept that people have lived their lives for 50 years living one way who am I to tell you to change other than it could support your business
0: yeah no it's cool I like that you say that because I do feel like sometimes a lot of people have these strong views and, okay cool I I maybe agree with that I think that's the right thing to do but the irony is that by telling someone else that their views are wrong <laughs> they, they should do things differently obviously that in itself is then not being very 100%, know, inclusive
1: yeah and you know you get some people who are 50 odd, and they're a really successful CTO. And you say to him, You know, I just want to make sure I'm using the correct pronouns. And he'll say, No, not a problem. I'm he, him. Or sometimes you'll say to the, you know, take a mirror version of him at the company down the road who's equally successful. And you'll say to him, What are your pronouns? And he'll say, Well, you know, well, look at me. Obviously, I'm a bloke. You know, don't, you know. And I think it just depends upon the person. But I also just think there should be a level of understanding that some people don't know, and that's okay. And education is just the key to you know unlocking yeah. you know the
0: unknown tell me a little bit more about how you're doing that then inside um, premise it's probably again a bit of a loaded question isn't it I'm sure there's lots you're doing but talk, talk to me about that education piece How how are you kind of getting people to view this a bit differently
1: so we have, or at least I say I have, a very um, holistic approach to diversity and inclusion. I think obviously for me, I am a few, like you know, woman in business. I work for a tech recruitment company. I personally have like a massive drive for women in business. However, as head of D&I, I have like a really holistic role where I look at diversity and inclusion from every single standpoint. So we are partnered with some incredible trainers who look at all different areas of diversity and inclusion from, you know, anti-racism, unconscious bias, inclusive recruitment, LGBTQ plus, you know, such a broad spectrum. So that when a client comes to us and says, you know, actually, um, for, for us, LGBTQ+ is really important. We really need to educate our business on this. We have partners who are specialists in that area who you can go and educate. For me, myself, I have created a, I suppose, a diversity review of businesses where I have a more holistic approach, but it's much more looking at processes. I don't really do the the nitty-gritty training, because that's not, you know, that's not my 40, I've not been in the industry for 25 years, like some of our specialists have, they will look at unconscious bias and sit down with people and say, you know, this is the business case, this is why we should implement it for you, this is why you guys have unconscious bias, X, Y, Z, which I think obviously, you know, one, separates us from other agencies because no one else does that, but two, it's just a massive value add and I think it means that any client that works with us, No matter what their demand is, I can give them a tailored approach. You know, everything is tailored because diversity and inclusion is different to everyone. When they've had that training, I can then go in from more of a processes point of view and say, look, these are your strategies. Let's make some small tweaks, having what you've learned and let's see the business result.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. I love that. I look forward yeah. to seeing it more more in action when hopefully we're yeah. working together We've in some We've got capacities.
1: some um, really exciting clients coming on board, like really big names. Obviously, I can't until, you know, contracts are signed. I'm not yeah. going to say the names, but it will be, you know, we're in partnership with them on a point of that we will be, we're partnering with them so well that we're going to be advertising who the brand is. It's not like, you know, a lot of recruitment agencies are like, I'm hiring for this role, but I'm not going to tell you who the client is. We're literally going to have premise X, these massive companies, we're partnering with them because they want diverse talent. Like these companies are like global scale, trying to make change and that's you know it's taken years to build we're finally getting there so fingers crossed when those contracts signed you'll probably be able to hear me scream all the way from wherever you are. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah I love that now I can see how passionate you are about that so yeah. yeah something that again was pretty ignorant to up until the last kind of year or so so I'm really excited to see how that that plays out. Yeah, um, I feel like that was a really great explanation on kind of what diversity and inclusion is why it's you know morally and profitable for businesses yeah. um, but tell me a little bit more about kind of your side of things and your experience of that then that's okay so obviously you've mentioned that you maybe have um experienced some slightly different you know um situations in the workplace and and maybe had some prejudice against your, your your diagnosis so um yeah let's get into that a little bit if that's okay
1: yeah sure go for it um I mean I suppose for most of m- most of my life I think I was especially when I first entered the corporate world I definitely think that um from an endometriosis point of view quite fortunately uh, it my symptoms became slightly more aggressive than like later on in life um But at first, I definitely felt like I was discriminated against as a female in the workplace. Like, I know that there's been gender pay gaps that I've been part of. I was spoken to very differently. I definitely felt like I had times where I'd go to work in quite a lot of pain. But you can't show that you're in pain because you're in this, like extreme environment and pain is equates to weakness, so you just kind of put on a brave face. And I think the benefit of, you know, the diversity and inclusion space and especially working for a business that really values females and really values making a change is that actually I can say to someone, I'm actually having a really bad day, I need to work from home. I'm still gonna sit on my laptop, but like, you know, I am experiencing, you know, a bad day of endometriosis, I need to I need to be at home, which I think has be- definitely revolutionised the way in which I can work as a female in business, and you know, I hopefully maybe from this podcast and all the work that you do, you know, more females will have the same opportunity.
0: Yeah, amazing. Was it? Is it Ben?
1: Ben, yeah. yes. Shout out Ben. Yeah, shout out Ben. If you're listening to this, Broughton, <laughs> I mean, feel free to <laughs> picking to, to, you up. <laughs> feel free to touch on that
0: a little bit because I think there's a lot of you know, I've got like a lot of worked with three, four hundred male clients over the years, and you know, a lot of them are in leadership roles or own the business.
1: Mm.
0: They're not bad people, you know, they're great people. I spend, you know, three hours a week with them on, maybe on average, you, you get a pretty good read for someone. I've had some of my clients eight years. So it's not that they're not great people that, you know, a good family man, they, they've got wives, they've got daughters. So it does kind of come down to, to ignorance really. So, you know, what would you say to that guy that's maybe thinking, okay, this Ben guy sounds great. Um, <laughs> you know, he, he, he seems to have the right internal company culture. How can people maybe move towards recreating that for themselves and their business?
1: I mean, I think a lot of it, and this is obviously my own personal standpoint, other people may have different views to me, which I'm, you know, I'm really, you know, I'm here for. But I think for me, it's that, you know, when I first started working for Ben, I obviously it wasn't, you know, him and I went for a drink, drink at the Ned, as one does. And um, I didn't necessarily identify as someone who had endometriosis. In fact, I didn't, I didn't say anything, but I remember so well, I hadn't had my diagnosis at this point, And he said to me, you know, we're going to have one day a week where everyone comes to the office. Other than that, the business can do what they want. They can work from home. They can be in the office. They can sit on the roof and drink rosé as long as they're working. I literally don't, I, you know, I don't care. Go to I a gym. I see how he
0: sold you. Yeah, he's like,
1: where's my contract? <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think that, you know, being able to go to the gym for two hours at lunchtime and then knowing that you can just put an extra hour in at the end of the day, like, you know, I think if you offer that to someone, you then get the same respect back. So I know that if... I have a medical appointment, which I don't have much control over when it is, but I need to go and have a scan or a checkup. I know that I can literally just say, I'm out of office for two hours. The hours will be made up elsewhere. He's like, okay, cool. You know, don't even bother telling me, just just go. And I think that because of that, I then think, okay, a client's emailed me at 9.30pm. I'm going to reply to that because I really respect the fact that I've been given a place where actually... I may need to take an hour here or take an hour here or go and do a podcast here. So therefore I give the time back. And I think that it's not like it's written in my contract to say you take 10 minutes to have a phone call with your doctor, give me 10 minutes back. I think it's just he's created a space where he knows that I might need to work from home one day, but it just means that I'll be in the office the next day. And it doesn't, it doesn't make a difference to how I perform, you know.
0: Yeah, I love that so much. That right there is literally why I've only ever really been self employed. The whole like needing to yeah. ask permission to like do a 10 minute phone call with someone that needs to be called during yeah. work hours because that's only when they're open. That was that for me is literally the reason why I was like, yeah, I can't be an employee. Yeah. So, yeah, I, that's I, great.
1: I think a lot of the time as well, it comes down to respect. So, like, I report into our head of people. She's fantastic and she's super supportive, you know, and especially as well, like having a female manager when I obviously have endometriosis is far easier to speak to than a female. Out of courtesy, I'll be like, oh, just by the way, I'm going to start at 11 today because I'm going to do a gym class. Or by the way, I'm starting at 11 today, I have a doctor's appointment. Out of courtesy, I will will obviously let her know because I don't, because I feel like it's the right thing to do. But at no point would it ever be an issue if I need to, you know, if I have something with my endometriosis, I can go and do it. But then the hours are just made up elsewhere. And I think that that's, you know, having that trust is what allows Primus to perform the way that it does. You know, Ben to have a workforce that respects him and, you know, vice versa, essentially.
0: Yeah, amazing. Tell tell me a little bit about the the diagnosis, not obviously in terms of like what it is, but just a little bit in terms of your journey, if that's okay. Like, how long did it take you to get the diagnosis and, and maybe any kind of actionable strategies in terms yeah. of managing that around work? So for any, any listeners that are like, okay, I do have this diagnosis, it might not be endometriosis, as so that's maybe only one in 10 women, but it might be something else that, that affects them. And they're like, okay, I still want to progress in my career and, and have a job which is meaningful and impactful, you know, like yourself. Um, you know, how can they kind of achieve both?
1: Yeah, I mean, actually, to be fair, my story is a little bit different than some than some women's. Um, And I actually, you know, coincidentally, coincidentally, was um, out at the weekend with a few friends, and I was, you know, met these girls, and we were talking about, you know, female related health problems, and we were talking about as as girls do when they've had a glass of wine, we talk about endometriosis. And I said, I was like, oh yeah, I've got stage four endometriosis, etc., etc. And you know, the girls all turned around and just said to me, you know, how do you have a diagnosis? And women can't get diagnosis, etc. My symptoms probably started around the start of lockdown I think I had a lot of stress in my life a lot of grief that was going on that exacerbated my my symptoms and you know quite quickly my periods became totally unbearable couldn't get out of bed you know couldn't stomach any food and because we were especially in lockdown there was no doctor's appointments I left it I left it I left it When I tried to go to the doctors, I literally got met with, it's normal, you're telling me you go to bed for three days of the month, all right, okay, cool, that's quite nice for you, isn't it? I got such, you know, abrupt, don't really care responses when I'm there thinking, you know, seven days a week I get up at 5.30, go to the gym, walk the dog, run 10k, do a half marathon and then go on a night out, you know, that's the kind of person that I am. And then all of a sudden, like clockwork, I just, I can't get out of bed and like no one was listening to me and then uh, a couple of years ago my mum got diagnosed with ovarian cancer Um, and at that point I thought okay you know at least it's in the same you know I'm not saying I have ovarian cancer which you know I I don't but at least because she's my biological mother they they might listen to me anyway I called them one morning and just said look my mum's been diagnosed with ovarian cancer she's got stage three ovarian cancer spread into her fallopian tubes I have trying to bring, trying to tell you that I have issues with my periods. Will you listen to me? And they were like, yeah, we'll see, we'll see you. Can you come down at one 30? And it took for literally my mum at the time they told her it was terminal to be diagnosed with terminal cancer for me to get a diagnosis. And they literally took me in within two weeks. Well, like, and then I got my results like two weeks later. They're like, yep, you have stage four endometriosis. And to be honest, without that, I probably still wouldn't have a diagnosis. I probably wouldn't know what's going on. Um, so I actually got a diagnosis in about six months of me begging the doctors, but about probably two or three years of symptoms. Um, but I only got it because of my mum, which, by the way, for the record, I'm not putting it down on it, she has now got the all clear and made a, yeah, made a, yeah, you yeah. know, an incredible turnaround. But you know, that's what I had to go through to get a diagnosis, and I think it's so frightening for women that potentially their mother. I mean, my mum actually didn't have endometriosis growing up at all; she had never had any problems with her periods, but. If you aren't in that boat, you know, how does a lady or a woman, sorry, go and get a diagnosis? Because you're literally just told there's, there's nothing wrong with you. Well, maybe there is.
0: <laughs> yeah, what's really sad about that story is three years is actually way below the average time oh, yeah. it takes to get a UK diagnosis for and, endometriosis. And
1: to be honest, I the only reason I hadn't initially hadn't gone to the doctors is, you know, we were in this initial lockdown period when everything started to happen. And obviously, you know, all the different stress that's going on in my life. Uh, I you know one I feel genuinely it sounds really bizarre but like incredibly privileged to have experienced my symptoms in a situation where I didn't have to leave the house if I'd had to I'd have had to have resigned from my job because i you know at the time I wasn't working for an inclusive <laughs> company um I'd have had to have resigned because I physically wouldn't have been able to go to the office for uh, you know effectively one week of the month at this point in my life like I couldn't I couldn't do it Um, and I think that just to be able to say that we were in lockdown and that was almost a gift that I didn't have to go through that is a really bizarre thing to say Um, whether or not I'd have got my diagnosis earlier if we weren't in lockdown I don't know obviously you know my mum only got diagnosed with cancer at a certain point Um, I don't know.
0: We were at an endometriosis awareness event the other day, and the woman that was running the event—it um, took her, I think, six or seven years for her diagnosis, which is still below the UK average. Yeah. Um, what was crazy about hers was she had a degree in biomedical science, and she'd never heard of endometriosis until she was diagnosed with it. So, whilst there's never an excuse for like obviously how the doctors were speaking to you, that that's just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, there is unfortunately just a, um, a massive gap in education when it comes to women-specific health issues, and it's yeah. like they're not taught in medical school. Okay, albeit she wasn't uh, technically trying to be a doctor, but you just would have assumed that she would have at least heard of this diagnosis, especially since she was experiencing this pain the whole time that she was yeah. in university. She had these symptoms. Like, how did no one just put two and two together and, and say maybe it's maybe it's endo? It is quite mind blowing that there's such a big research gap on female health.
1: I mean, I feel like I'm you know probably like super in tune with like the you know the the like human body and my body and I feel like you know I'm massively impacted physically by stress and so I feel like I've got like a very in tune holistic approach to 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 my body and I genuinely had had no idea what endometriosis was and I remember googling one of my symptoms um and it said you know the NHS website was like basically had said that there's something called endometriosis and I remember ringing my mum and was like you know I've been experiencing x y and z apparently it can be something called endometriosis and she was like what's endometriosis and again you know a woman who's really in tune with her own self but also hasn't had you know struggles with her periods at any point in her life had never heard of it and when I meet women and say or I meet girls and I'm like oh I suffer from endometriosis and so many times I get met with what's that one, I'm like, that is a, such a privilege to not have to worry about it and just go through life, just having a period and that being it and like, off you go. But two, there's just so many people that don't know what it is and they they just think it's normal. Like I, some of my friends get really bad periods, they throw up, they can't function, they end up in A&E. And I sit there and I'm like, you need to go to the doctors, like you need to push a a diagnosis because this is not right and they're like no it couldn't I couldn't possibly have endometriosis which by the way was also my headspace I was like you're fit and healthy you don't have anything wrong with you um I also think that's probably ignorance is bliss but I definitely just think there's a massive gap in gender health data between obviously men and women um and also women I think put up with a lot you know ultimately I think women put up with a lot and they just think it's normal and they just go through life and it just is what it is.
0: Yeah. To put a little bit of a positive spin on that, there is a. I think it's the um, Cambridge and Oxford are collaborating on basically creating a, a special MRI to diagnose endo that's without amazing. needing, yeah, without needing the surgery because that's obviously the biggest issue when it comes to diagnosing endometriosis. It's just very hard to do. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's not all doom and gloom for the future of for the future of endo. No, and
1: I think that you know, I think the more it gets spoken about, and you know, I definitely think in the past couple of years. Especially as, you know, social media is evolving and, you know, inclusion is becoming much more of a thing because inclusion is so broad, right? It can be gender, race, ethnicity, but it can also be disabilities and mental health and health related issues. And endometriosis just happens to be one of millions of health related issues that, you know, men and women can both suffer from. And I think that the more things are spoken about, the more it's going to become prevalent. And like, you know, when March comes around and Endometriosis Awareness Month hits, it's amazing to see the number of women i mean okay amazing is the wrong word it's amazing to see the number of women coming together heartbreaking to see the number of women that obviously go go through it um but i think the more it's spoken about that i'm hoping the easier it will become for people to get diagnosed yeah
0: yeah i hope so too i feel like um it's sad that to, to give a little bit of context to this, anyone listening the ratio of people with it that don't have a diagnosis versus with it, and this is obviously just my own anecdotal experience, that's so quite limited, but I've had one female client in nearly nine years of coaching tell me I've got endometriosis, literally one. I've had five female clients with all the symptoms that I'm like, yeah, this isn't normal. Please, like, this is what you say to your doctor. This is how you speak to them. These are some other areas that could be impacted by endo or vice versa might be part of the reason why you're experiencing endo. So now we look at the bigger picture of kind of the gut and the immune system. Like you've also got these symptoms over here. You've got these risk factors over here. This is how you piece it together and explain to your doctor. I've had four or five female clients get diagnosed with endometriosis as a result of me looking at their their, their health forms. Um, so one had an endometriosis diagnosis and there's been four or five which have gone and got one as a result of like finally kind of knowing what to say to their doctor and being able to push for it that's a really strange ratio it's the wrong way around so yeah
1: i know i would agree and i also think as well i mean i know for myself i think that there's quite a lot of endometriosis symptoms that i don't think women are aware of or that are spoken about, like brain fog, because um, you know you can get endometriosis in rare cases. Can grow in other parts of the body, like quite far away from your womb, uterus, yeah. right? Which actually is what has happened to to me. And I think a lot of my symptoms for the past few years, I would never correlate or think I've got this pain in this part of my body. It must be to do with the fact that at the other end of my body, I'm I'm having a bad period. And I think that because there are such an array of symptoms you know some women just you would never correlate the yeah. two and i think the more that the more rare symptoms can come that are spoken about the better because i think that you know god bless my mum she loves sending me random stuff on on instagram she sends me all of these memes all the time and follows all sorts of accounts but she sent me a video of this of this male doctor speaking about endometriosis and it was like a short clip and i see this all over social media and it's like the two symptoms of endometriosis one pain two infertility and i'm like but that actually i don't think helps because you can have a pain you could have a painful period one month and it just be a one off but you could also have a painful period and still be fertile i think that, that there is just no correlation between the two you can also you know? have pain
0: you can also have pain away from away from your period like yeah the, the rising estrogen might might flare that up but there's yeah. not necessarily directly a correlation to the time of the month
1: yeah and I think that, that I see so much of that out there and I think that I really strongly disagree with it because and when my mum sent it to me I was like don't send me stuff like that one I don't want to see it because I don't want I don't want to go down the, the route of like potential infertility but two I just think if you're going to speak about it online especially as a doctor in hyphenated commas um at, at least you know, at
0: least get it right give
1: get it right, yeah, you know, if you are gonna say there's pain, at least break it down. you know, the pain could be anywhere, right or I suppose obviously it's more likely to be around your your womb, but it can be in other places.
0: Yeah, I mean, things like IBD and um, kidney bladder issues are often misdiagnosed as endo. So yeah, there can be a variety of places where, and as you said, like often those those symptoms can manifest in, in other areas. If you yeah. look at endo, as more of like an, almost an autoimmune issue rather than a hormonal one, then that immune system being chronically upregulated it can manifest into a wide a wide variety of symptoms. So, yeah, saying that the two symptoms are this is definitely not helpful because people yeah. go, oh, well, I don't have endo then because their yeah. symptoms might be completely different. 100%. So, yeah, it's. Um, I wish I had something more positive to say on that whole. The problem <laughs> no, is, I right, just you I go, saw
1: it, I, I, especially during March, right, it's Endometriosis Awareness Month, so everyone's talking about it, which I, yeah. I love the fact it's being spoken about and like kudos to you know, this doctor in mean, I've needed to come for speaking about it. I just think it's really tough because, you know, infertility for a female is obviously a very touchy subject. Um, And I think that just labelling endometriosis as equals infertile does is not conducive to supporting women going through the process or for women finding out if they have endometriosis or not.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree, Um, which is part of the problem with the whole medical system. As amazing as the NHS is, is obviously you go to the specialist in that area. So I was diagnosed with trigeminal neuralgia. You go to a neurologist. My issue was I had a bunch of infections in my jawbone. Like, that isn't where the problem is does not necessarily correlate to obviously where you experience the symptoms right so we'll make sure we put some like awesome more holistic doctors in kind of the the link in the bio or, or something like that so people can look into it a little bit more themselves because yeah like NHS is absolutely amazing of course but the problem with okay you go to see the gastronomist because you've got a gut issue or the neurologist because or whatever yeah. right and that often misses what the problem actually actually is or definitely looks at it through two too narrow of a lens so but yeah same as with what you're trying to do the answer is education and that's not a short. that's yeah. not a short change is it that <laughs> takes some time
1: yeah it takes a lot of time
0: yeah so anyway hopefully we'll be um, doing some work to kind of help change that but for anyone listening that is kind of thinking okay I've got yeah, a health diagnosis whether that's endometriosis or not it could be female specific it could not be and I know you've touched on a few things here like um, Ben lets you make the hours up elsewhere but what would you say to that That female listing that's like okay cool I want to do what you're doing in terms of some meaningful work I still want to push my career forwards in the corporate world or not but I feel like it is a bit of a battle to kind of advocate for myself or speak up based on the symptoms I'm experiencing or the diagnosis I've got like is there anything that you would share with that person in terms of advice actionable tips to speaking with their manager or just your experience?
1: Yeah, I think um, it's really hard because I you know it I I think that women grin grin and bear so much and put on such a brave face and for all sorts of reasons to do with like female health related issues. Um, And I think that the biggest thing for me is, you know, if I, this is my own personal experience, obviously, you know, every manager is very different. You could get a no bugger off. You're not, you're not getting that. Or you could get a really warm response to this. I think for me, I always go into it with, okay, cool. So this is the problem. The problem is that, you know, my due next week and I'm already struggling. I know that I'm going to have 48 hours of hell. I can then contact my head of people if she's off I can go to I feel like I can go to my director which is probably a really privileged position to be in but potentially a HR or you know female in the in the workplace I think that I would just say you know look this is my situation I'm coming to you because I want to be open and honest I think I'm going to find it really hard to be in person tomorrow and and Thursday for example let's say it's Tuesday for tomorrow and Thursday. However, I will be in five days next week because by Monday, I promise you, well, I'll be back. I'll be back, good as gold. I will. Work, I will work from home, but I just, you know, I'm really happy to get a note from the doctor. But I just, this is what I'm struggling with, and this is how I'm going to make it up to you. Because I think if I just turn around and said, you know, our director says, Lucy, can you come on on Tuesday? And I just say no. Well, what's that going to achieve? That doesn't actually benefit anything. He's going to say, well, you know, you know, what what's going on? Whereas if I say, I'm really sorry, I can't do this Tuesday. It's just not going to work for me for these reasons. And I say, but I will be in Wednesday, Thursday. Well, I've, it, If he says no, that's on him. And that's a really poor reflection of his management skills. I'm not saying Ben himself. I'm talking about a manager in general. Yeah, yeah. Just Hypothetically you why know, FYI, speaking. Ben, I'm not outing you. Um, Ben's know, great. We like Ben. But I'm in a position where Ben wouldn't do that. Um, but I just think for anyone who sat there thinking, what do I do? In all honesty, I just think communication is key and I think that the more open and honest you can be, the better. And I know it's really hard and I I think that females grin and bear so much and but it becomes quite liberating when you can say, actually, let's give me the opportunity to take tomorrow from work from home and I'll work in the office the rest of the week. Let's then look back on my month. Did did I still perform? You still have a performing female in your business. It doesn't make a difference. Whereas, you know, if you're not performing, it's obviously different. But as long as your work isn't impacted, it quite literally makes no difference. And to any employer listening, stop controlling your workforce because they will leave.
0: (laughs) And yeah, before maybe they wouldn't have left, right? Because there maybe wasn't alternative options that were different. But now I feel like there is quite a few. So.
1: Yeah, and from a from a business standpoint, ultimately there are so many businesses out there that offer that flexibility. Right. You know, we have girls in our team that struggle with their periods. I don't actually know if many of them have official diagnosis, but they they, you know, they just say, okay, fine, you know, it's not it's not spoken about. It's just you can work from home for a couple of days, we'll see you next week. Fine. The respect is there, they still work. Um, and I just think, you know, I'm obviously repeating myself, but so many people and so many businesses offer it. If you don't offer that, you will fall behind because your workforce will go to an employer that does offer it, you know, period. Contact. I- lose ironically.
0: <laughs> Get in touch. Yeah. <laughs> so let's kind of paint that picture then because you you said yourself like you feel like you're quite um, you know, you can you're in tune with your body, you're quite susceptible to stress. You know when maybe you're dealing with periods of high yeah. stress. Obviously not to go off on a tangent, but that that is very much a thing. Like your body doesn't know the difference between when it's in fight or flight. Literally, from a like a physical standpoint, because that's how we've evolved. Versus just you're dealing with a lot of chronic stress, anxiety, work yeah. deadlines, etc. That physiological response is the same, right? Heart rate goes up, blood pressure goes up, all this stuff that's amazing from a survival standpoint, and then is not so amazing when it stays chronically elevated and turns into issues so I've seen myself I've got you know so many female clients they're 35 40 they've worked a corporate job they've hated their whole life they're chronically stressed and then all of a sudden bang they're diagnosed with um, diabetes you know hypertension autoimmune issues and you know they're not necessarily overweight they, they've been fairly active their whole life they don't eat too badly and they can't understand why they've got this diagnosis which they think is correlated to someone which has lived a very unhealthy life their whole life and I'm kind of trying to be like, okay, well, you don't sleep great. You, you know, you're highly stressed. You're maybe not living a life that's particularly in line with your values or you feel like is meaningful. Um, and anyone that says they don't eat too badly definitely eats a bit worse than they think they do. But oh, 100. I mean, that's <laughs> also me. Like yeah. I
1: eat really well and then also me eating like 10 cream eggs a week. <laughs> yeah, so,
0: which you've got to do a little bit off, and that's fine. Oh, 100%, um, you've, got,
1: you've got to live, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. So I'm not suggesting anyone completely cuts that out. But yeah, they're, not, they're genuinely not doing too badly with their exercise and their nutrition. They just don't understand this whole Stress and which therefore impacts sleep, stimulants, kind of little vicious cycle, right? And to the point where it does create these diagnoses. So yeah, you mentioned earlier that you were in a job which was probably, if you just spent another twenty years there, was definitely going to be very problematic, if not probably a lot less.
1: Written f- me off by then.
0: Yeah, yeah, we wouldn't be here having this podcast, would we?
1: No way. Um, um, no, I wouldn't be out loud up my chair.
0: Yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, again, thank you, Ben. Um, <laughs> so you know, I, and then to the second kind of bit of the context of this question. So if that's like a large problem, right, that's happening for loads and loads of women. Um, and then we've also got this, this shift happening where females are dropping out the corporate world now more than ever. I've had four girls that I'm friends with this year, ask me what level three PT course to do. Um, because they're like, I'm done with my job. You know, they're accountants, they work in SEO, finance, et cetera. They're like, I'm, yeah, I'm done with this. What would you say to that <laughs> you're like smiling like yeah like <laughs> advocate for yourself um what would you say to that girl that maybe is thinking okay i've spent you know sunk along the lines of i've spent a few years maybe getting a degree or working hard to get to this place in in the in the uh, corporate world um you know i don't necessarily want to leave and find another company but maybe they should because it's very hard to change company culture and there is a lot of amazing companies out there like what would you say to i guess almost the alternative you that didn't take that leap uh, a few years back or any women out there struggling with that
1: do you know what's really bad is my immediate reaction is just like grin and bear it like it you know because
0: what else do you not what i was expecting
1: but no but that is my my immediate reaction is like you know if i wanted to go into that world you know finance insurance ultimately the only option right now is to grin and bear it because i don't think there's infrastructure in these corporate worlds to always support women because they are so male dominated that and you know it takes a certain type of alpha male driven doesn't matter what's going on in his personal life he is there because he's there to make money and takes home x hundreds of thousands millions per year but
0: can women not do that too? 90 percent of the month for then have their free days where things are flared up
1: i this and this this might you know be controversial this is my own opinion i think that i don't necessarily believe that a You need to be a female with endometriosis to be given support for health related issues because you could, you know, I've had had people in my life that, you know, slipped. I know this is obviously a one off versus a, you know, a um, chronic illness, but like, you know, take someone who has slipped a disc in their back and spends, you know, almost two years recovering and has days where they where they can't walk. I think that there should be, you know, almost a legal Standpoint for businesses that if you have these health related issues, male, female, endometriosis, I'm using slip disc because I'm not a very like a medic- medically savvy person, that you should be able to have support. Because I think that if you turn around and say, Well, I'm a female and I have bad periods, I'm taking three days off a month and you have to go to work, even though you have, you also have a, you're, you're also dealing with health related issues. I think that it should be more of a holistic approach and just that actually that a general consensus that you shouldn't male or female be looked down upon if you have health related issues actually your employer should support you because if you support that person they're going to give you 120% when they when they are in, in like good health that's my own personal you know uh, standpoint and some people really might disagree with me and say you know no be more of a feminist and it should be that way because women struggle i just think that there are health related issues that that could be that men could have or other health-related issues that females could have, that means that they all need support.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, also, I completely agree. But so you don't really feel like there's any companies in those sectors that have better systems in place, infrastructure in place, to, to deal with this.
1: I think that some of some companies out there definitely do, and I think that you know a lot of companies are bringing out this. You can take you, know, you can have a day off a month if you have a bad period, or you can, which is amazing. I'm not knocking it, and I'm you know I I would never not support that but I also think that you can potentially do it more inclusively and maybe that's just you know the way because of my job you know I look at it from a holistic standpoint most of the time there are companies out there you know Spain and Europe they're looking at bringing in those three days a month every month you if you have health related issues or you have bad periods you can take those three days a month and UK, you know that's it's been introduced and that's amazing yeah.
0: it's a bit different though right because spain's sick leave doesn't work how ours does. like you do get sick leave in england so you can in theory take that anyway regardless of what the problem is
1: yeah 100 and i i do think as well though you know obviously i'm i've used slip disc as a, as an example which is obviously a terrible example but i don't want to start talking about other chronic illnesses when i'm not an expert um i just think that there are policies that can be put in place across the uk by businesses that support people that have chronic illnesses more 360 than just endometriosis I'm not sure if that's the response that you wanted but it's just my own personal opinion is I think yeah no I I completely
0: agree I'm saying so again the diagnosis being irrelevant we've got these girls and whether they've got a specific diagnosis or not or whether they just don't feel they you know that they don't feel inclusive in the workplace and they feel burnt out and they're like, okay, I don't like my manager, I don't like how I'm being spoke to, and um, spoken to, sorry. Um and they're like, okay, I'm considering a career change or at least a different company. Obviously you did that and it's paid off really well is what I'm getting at.
1: A hundred percent. And I suppose, you know, I think that if you are working with someone, you know, who potentially is actually just sexist, the chances are you aren't going to change that. And I think it comes down to you to say I could stay in this, I could stay in this particular company, I could be spoken to, I could experience sexual harassment, I could not be able to take time off, or I could go to a competitor, and I could be pretty um, transparent from the get go and just say, look, this is the situation. And this is what I would do personally, you know, if I was in that situation, and I didn't have the freedom, I would go to a competitor and say, this is the situation, will you support me? I don't need the world I just need a level of flexibility if that person says yes you're still in the industry you're still going to be insanely successful you just have a little bit of flexibility but I also think that 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 is on you and you know if you are someone who's built to work 16 hour days and be spoken to like a heap of shit excuse my language and that's just who you are amazing but If you're someone who actually wants to be part of the industry, but actually just needs a bit more flexibility, I think that's on you to go, Okay, fine. I'm going to put this into my own hands. I know what I want. I'm going to make it happen. It's just going to be with a competitor.
0: Yeah, no, perfect. I love that because what I was kind of getting at there was I've had a lot of girls ask me recently in particular, like again about the level three, they want to change industries. And I'm like, cool, obviously I'll answer that question. But do you want to change industries because the company specifically you work for has a, let's call it a culture problem? and maybe you just need to go and find a different company in the same sector that isn't like that. Or do you want to get in and and you see personal training as an option where it's like I don't necessarily I get to create my own little environment right I'm not going to yeah. be discriminated against I can I'm self employed I can work when I want like is that why you're looking at that at like being a personal trainer so as the solution as opposed to actually wanting to coach people yeah and then I'm like okay cool here's the answer to your question here's how I'd get into the industry but like that that's the question I'm also asking back to them because I'm like you know not every company's like that right you you oh, might yeah. actually like your job role. Um, you're just in the wrong. You're just in the wrong company. And as someone that was maybe not in the right company, and now you've gone to a different company and, and are thriving, uh, even with a you know a quite a severe diagnosis, um, that's just what I wanted to kind of kind of get at, to help those yeah. girls advocate for. Like, okay, maybe I don't need to change everything here. Maybe I, there are other com- there are other options out there for me in the same industry.
1: Hundred percent. And like you know, we I'm not going to mention company names because you know I'm not here to oust anyone. But we have girls that have joined our business that literally were told by their ex male. CEOs, CTOs, whatever they want to call themselves um, that if they got pregnant they would be fired and you know so they took it on upon themselves to say you know I actually want to be in this industry, I like recruitment you know the girls in our business absolutely smash it so actually now they're making money for us so you know the CTO and CEOs that have lost them, more for them but now, you know, if they get pregnant in our company, they won't get fired, they get maternity leave. Like, you know, you have two options, you know, you can be that, you can be that person like Ben, who's built loads of companies and just treats his staff like a decent human, or you can be those arseholes who don't know how to behave in, in, you know, the tech world and, you know, probably aren't going to be that successful. But, you know, that's my own opinion. Maybe I'm just being controversial.
0: <laughs> no, I like it. I mean, I feel like if someone says that, that for me is just something that I can't I can't comprehend right. That that yeah. does not that does not register on my radar. So that's probably something that you're never going to change. I guess hence the yeah. the amount of years we're talking about for equality. Right, it's literally a case of that type of person needs to just retire and then die <laughs> in order for this problem yeah. to eventually eventually change. Right, we're talking about generations because I don't think that's something you can probably educate out of people.
1: No, and I you know at the same time you know people that are set in that mindset of if a girl, lady comes to work for me they get pregnant I'm going to fire them that person's never going to change you know they aren't and to be honest with you if someone came to me and had that mentality i wouldn't want to work for them i don't think you know premise is built on diversity and inclusion we want to work with clients that want to make a change we don't want to work with people that are sexist and discriminate we want to work with businesses that are like we're not perfect let's make a difference and i wouldn't i wouldn't work with someone i would not give them the time of day if that's how they treated females in the workplace not a chance
0: this is something I actually haven't asked you before. So, I mean, I'm sure this is probably quite a long answer. Feel free to give me the the, the shorter yeah. version. What does your screening process look like to make sure that you are putting people into companies which are diverse and in- inclusive?
1: That is a really, lo- really big question. I do, yeah. To be honest with you, it, it ultimately depends upon the client, right? You know, there is no one shoe fits with diversity and inclusion, right? You go to one company, they've got demographic targets and we say to them, look, we will aim towards these targets. But our role is to bring you the best talent. If we bring you the best talent bias, bias aware, like because you can't eradicate bias, people that think you can, you can't. You can be aware of it. We will aim to meet those demographics. But what we're going to do is our job and we're going to bring you the best talent and follow an inclusive process. Those demographics for for different clients look totally different. We use platforms that support um, that can pull data on the diversity of our candidates at CV submission, who gets put in interview, who gets offered versus who gets placed. We can pull all of that data, one as, you know, we can show it to other clients and new clients of what we've done, but we can also give it to businesses and say, look, you set us out these goals, this is what we've done. Ultimately, it comes down to tech, it comes down to education, but every business is totally different. So, you know, in the long and short of it, that's effectively how, how we would do it.
0: Yeah. But yeah, I love that you do actually have that screening process. So obviously you can know, you know, if you're putting someone in a company. Oh yeah. And also,
1: you know, with AI and tech and data these days, I'm we're actually in the process of a company which is like launching at the moment um, that does some insane work. And you'll see me speak about it on social media over the coming months because we're going to be partnering with them with some of our bigger clients and they have the ability to like, do incredible work with data, and I can literally—it plugs into our back end for for all of our like um, CRMs and etc. And like I can pull all the data out of it, and it's all anonymous, so you can't. It's not like it's linked to individual people, but it can pull, you know, everything from all of our US clients versus our UK clients, how much of a gender pay gap do we have? Or not do we have, but do our clients have between men and women and who we have placed at what different seniority levels versus their ethnicity versus, you know, it's literally, in this piece of tech is insane. Yeah, exactly. And now when, you know, we have obviously got it asked, we're going to be using it as a value add. We can literally pull data from, legally pull data from like our own CRM. And if a, if a client says to us, you can have access to our database, then we can plug into their database and pull the data anonymously and say to them, well, this is your current data we will create you processes and strategies and in 12 months, let's look at your data and see what it looks like. Let's also then look at the return on investment and see how you guys are performing. It's all amazing. Yeah, it's so
0: exciting, yeah, because yeah, that biggest objection that you have is going to help to solve that, right? So Yeah,
1: and like, I mean, big up tech because tech's amazing. You know, tech ultimately does it and like, you know, myself and Ben just read the data, create processes, look at strategies, you know.
0: One thing you said a minute ago that I really liked was ultimately your job is to bring someone the best talent. Yeah. And I like that because to kind of play devil's advocate, you know, you'll hear things along the lines of, well, if you prioritise diversity over who's the best, then that's not inclusive.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, I'm I'm a really big believer that, you know, companies will say to me, I want to hire five people from LGBTQ+. I'm like, okay, cool, but what's hiring five people from LGBTQ+, going to do for your business? Like, is it going to, are you doing it because you want to say it? Or are you doing it because you've got five vacancies and you need the best talent? Because if you've got the best talent, we can provide you with f- five people. Will they all be from the LGBTQ plus community? Probably not. But what we can do is we can go out to these places where underrepresented talent feel comfortable to apply for roles and bring you the best candidates. The fact that they belong to LGBTQ plus doesn't define them for the vacancies. You know, what defines them is their ability.
0: Yeah, I love that. Where, where are those places if someone is listening to this and they feel like, OK, I'm maybe, yeah, Um,
1: yeah, yeah uh, those <laughs> to be honest i think you know starting out as simple as social media linkedin you know there are so many different networking groups out there that underrepresented talent find themselves um using and communicating with each other on that people can follow you can be part of there's job boards these you know these days when i first started there was actually not many job boards now there's hundreds of different job boards that support lgbtq plus you know investing in women um different ethnicities and races where people go and specifically you know they probably are have anxiety about working with agencies because they've experienced something in their past so they go to these different job boards and I think that that's effectively how we do it you know we we will pay to use these job boards we will spend a lot of time networking on social media we have events that are online events that are dedicated to attracting diverse talent speaking about issues that underrepresented talent might face so naturally I'm going to be honest with you we now have people call us candidates that call us and say I'm currently working for this company um I'm looking for a new role I don't work with agencies I do have a disability and but people discriminate against me I've seen that D&I is important to your agency and I w- I want to work with you like we now have people coming to us and saying that yeah. and I'm like that's such an amazing achievement cool. because you know I drill it into the team how important it is to sing D&I you know from the rooftops and it's it's f- starting to it's starting to pull off like it's amazing
0: yeah, I love that. You're doing really great work. And every time every time you start talking about it, I can just see there's this little extra. So that's cool.
1: Yeah, I think it's because when I started, I was like, gosh, this is such a big project. Like Ben's given me the responsibility of the USP of his business. And now we've got this entire piece internally and externally that, you know, is now coming to fruition and these massive clients are turning around and saying we trust you work your magic and I'm like oh, you know you know and someone's like I've worked for years to have just like one person be like you're amazing or not me personally but the work that we do you know it's yeah we're getting there
0: yeah that's really cool so if someone would like to get in touch with with you um regarding yeah career stuff and uh, and they go okay yeah I, I want to potentially get a new role or, or just have a chat with you about what that process looks like um, feel free to share a little bit more about yeah how premise works what those processes look like how they can get in touch and, and what offerings you have
1: yeah for sure so we go by the name Premise Talent you can google us find us um, we've actually got a new website launching next week which I can say that because by the time this is released the website will be launched and if it's not then I'm really sorry Ben <laughs> the new website looks amazing Premise Talent you can't miss it it has its own has the like main recruitment site then also my own dni page which is absolutely amazing um all of the details are on there um i to put a lot of time into linkedin you can find me loose grover which is l-u-c-e-g-r-o-v-e-r um and premise itself is on linkedin as well so you know drop me a direct message on there my email is all over my linkedin as well so you can drop me an email but you know contact me at any point i'm here to help is what i always say
0: yeah i love that um and unlike a lot of people that that say that like you genuinely are hence where you know your messages to us reply and helping us with things so yeah yeah, yeah. yeah for anyone listening that goes yeah hear that all the time like loose genuinely is very interested in helping so feel free to get yeah. in touch I mean with UK
1: and US hours I get a lot of people in the US email me <laughs> or LinkedIn me at like 2am and I'm there like sometimes I wake up and I'm like oh this geezer wants, wants a meeting but it's 2am but fine I'll answer it because I just suppose it's in my nature but yeah
0: Mm, well, yeah, that's a different conversation regarding <laughs> boundaries and your health. But anyway, we'll uh we'll have that we'll have that off the podcast. <laughs> um have you got any final thoughts, um, loose what, what you know, anything that you'd say to kind of, yeah, the the woman listening that's maybe thinking, okay, I need to make that that career change and maybe they just need to advocate a little bit and, and, and make that jump, um, what would you say to her?
1: For me, I think that the one of the biggest things is that, you know, one, what have you got to lose? I think that, you know, you know what you, I think it's, it's a really tough message, but also a loving message It's like, you know, where you want to be. And the only person who can make that happen is you, you know, if I want to be insanely successful, then I can only be the person to make that happen. And I think sometimes tough love is that, you know, you might have horrendous endometriosis, but you have to find a way in which you can position yourself in the corporate world and balance your health and a successful career you can do both I've seen women do it I'm hopefully going to be that person in you know 10 or 15 years time and I just think in a year's time you will look back and think I was I'm actually really proud of that person I was a year ago even though you think that you're not doing well and I think that if you can just remember that in a year's time you will have it more figured out just just keep going and I want to say grin and bear it but like just grin and bear it but also take action at the same time.
0: I love that it's I think it's my favourite thing about talking to you is you strike this very fine line uh, perfectly between the employer's responsibility as an employer but also personal responsibility and not yeah. being a victim.
1: Exactly and it's I think you know I there are so many things in my life that are just so incredible that I have to just learn to to accept the fact that I have endometriosis but there's other things going on in the world that are so much worse than that and there are people that have been dealt cards way worse than than I have and you know using my privilege to support other women and you know if there is a woman here who feels like they have no one to talk to you can message me because I've been that person who just thinks how on earth am I gonna go to work tomorrow when I can barely get out of bed today and I just think you know it's on it is on you and it is tough love you know you know shit happens is horrendous i don't want to swear but it is it's life you know it throws you curveballs
0: yeah it does unfortunately and when they when they are thrown um people like you are here to to Catch put the them. work in to yeah support <laughs> through that louise thank you so much for joining of us course, today i really you. really appreciate your time and uh, thank you for sharing that message i'm excited to get this episode out
1: yeah for sure thank you so much